0: Hello, hello and welcome back, back to, to after, after the, the smoke, smoke clears. clears i'm Kimryn.
1: i'm scott <laughs>
2: and i'm sam
0: and we are so <laughs> excited to be back today with sydney a guest that we have had on before we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about what we talked about last time yep we're super mm-hmm. excited to have you back
1: yep the sequel is going to be too. better than the first say one this hi time. that's
0: right always is with say us say hi sydney hello hi <laughs> um but before we start the episode or go any further we would like to acknowledge we are in a different location than we were last time where we have a couple places we constantly record so first we would like to acknowledge we are on the traditional unceded ancestral territory of the Tawasin, Stalo, and Musqueam peoples all right so since this is our second recording this weekend Scott, Sam, and I are not going to do our highs and lows since it would be repetition. So we'll do rating each other 1 through 10, and Sydney can do her highs and lows. So let's get into it. Um, so, I'll, yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Sam, I rate you a 10 out of 10 this week, the full 10. Whoa. I feel like we, I don't know, just behind-the-scenes stuff. Dude, you're killing it. Everything's going really well. I love the energy, the new tripod, everything, bro. Like, I don't really have much. Yeah, it's been good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gotta do it. Gotta stick with the crew, you know?
0: That's right. Scott, you know, I I think it's got to be the full 10, too, you know? Like, some stuff happened, but you came back strong. We've been here. You are always the one, like, driving things here, there, you know, packing up the stuff, setting up all the stuff, and... Yeah, you've been killing it this week, so Dan, maybe I'll check in after ratings. we edit later yeah, today. <laughs> those are <but> some <laughs> high
1: ratings, whoa.
0: I mean, listen, I feel good, so good. 10 out of 10s.
1: Nice. I'm going to yes. regret
0: that later when I get sixes, but...
1: I'll go, I'll go next. <laughs> go ahead, um, I'm just kidding. Cameron... You got a nine point nine. No one's perfect, Woo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I do. Re- I respect the ten, and I see your hard work, and everything's been going well. So, yeah, nine point nine out of ten. Um, Sam, you've been putting in the work too. So, like, I would definitely say, like. Like a nine point five out of ten. No Thank one's you. perfect. Okay. But like, you know, if I'm you want to I'm, you gonna, gonna, you I'm round gonna round
2: up. up with that number. Whatever you want to <laughs> do. I round it up too, Sam. We're head, it's, a ni- it's
1: a nine it's a nine point five, but like if you okay. want to round up, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. All right, Sam, go ahead. I think
2: we're yeah, tens. Zo so started off. Yeah, Kirman, I really like the energy you've been bringing this week with the podcast like tiktok ideas the suggestions and overall just keeping in contact with everything so i'd give you yeah i'm gonna give you a 10 also yeah. i think i think we've i think we've all like over over time we've all kind of learned to work together better given our schedules with school and work and my training and everything and it's all coming together now especially now yeah with us being cited as a ubc source i'm really happy for us with that with that happening i know uh overall yeah just the co- overall coordination between all three of us has been really has been really good this past and i think we're actually getting somewhere solid now
0: 100 percent. so
2: yeah cameron 10 and then scott Thank i'm gonna you. give you 10 as well because for Yay. you you've, you've been the master of okay, uh, middleman and yeah. coordination and recovery this week with everything that with everything that's gone on and it's really good to see you step up and just not just go and be like oh no it's all over now and actually step up and go forward and find a solution guys yeah. you're bringing a tear to my eye i feel yeah. kind of bad
1: like you should feel bad <laughs> <laughs> He should Can i change but, uh, my votes yes <laughs> you guys both get
2: tense thank you wow this is the first week
0: ever to sydney it probably sounds like it happened no this is the first time we've ever given each other 10s and then (laughs) and then
2: finally just for fun i'm going to give sydney a 10 for the energy she's bringing to this podcast coming on for a second for a part two episode putting in the effort for the tiktoks my crazy ideas and then just for fun (laughs) for wearing the grimace socks today
0: that's right Nice. you know what grimace
3: is no what is a grimace sock search
0: it up search up grimace mcdonald's yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just the color grimace <laughs> is a purple vest. do you remember that from being a kid no you don't remember
2: grimace. he's like grimace is supposed to be like he's like the purple like Maybe. hash brown yeah, guy or whatever the big. fuck
0: <laughs> he was my favorite
2: <laughs> yeah nice. your socks look like it <laughs> your
0: socks are built like grimace
2: she had the grimace dogs on today (laughs) the dog
3: that's so funny um my highs and lows yeah go ahead well i guess my i'll do my low first so my low of the week pretty much like i had a lot of anxiety this week like i had a few anxiety attacks so that was that's my low Mm -hmm. still really stressed about like school and all the assignments that are coming up yeah So, I don't know. I know I can get through it, but it's pretty difficult this week. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting my week off strong starting tomorrow because my high of the week, well, upcoming week, Mm -hmm. and I guess my excitement of this week Mm -hmm. is the high. I'm going to see Guns N' Roses tomorrow so i'm really excited that's pretty cool that's yeah. that'll be so that's fun so, i'm jealous i know i like i've always wanted to go and i don't know just like, you get it's just like it's just a dream like i've seen iron maiden mm-hmm. i've seen like as for bands like growing up like listening to them iron maiden the who <laughs> who else have i who, who else have i gone to <laughs>
1: All the good ones, honestly. I,
3: yeah. I really want to see the White Stripes, but I don't know if they still play. But mm-hmm. before Metallica stops, like, I need to see them. And I think they're coming to Seattle next year. Mm-hmm. At the There's end of next chance. year. So, yeah. I'm going to try go there. Nice. I just don't want to pay, like, U.S. prices. Yeah. But.
1: Unless they're, like, cheaper U.S. prices. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They won't be, but. <laughs>
3: Yeah. But that's my high, going to Guns N' Roses. Awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm. Which, what
0: arena is it at? Like, where? I think it's at Rogers. Nice. Would it be arena? or Like, I would say BC Place. I don't know.
1: It's probably at Rogers.
0: Yeah. BC Place is big. How many seats are in BC Place, Scott?
1: Huh?
3: Oh, it's at BC Place.
1: Okay. BC Place is, like, a lot of seats. That's all I know. (laughs) They they usually don't open up all the seats, even for, like, big bands. Like, yeah. there's usually, like, another level that they never open up.
0: Yeah. Okay, so before we have Sydney, like, reintroduce herself and your identity, we will... I wanted to quickly discuss some polls we put on our Instagram. So we asked... After the last episode we did with Sydney, where we discussed um, land acknowledgements, residential schools, the Canadian education system, all that, we wanted to ask people what they thought about what we said. So we essentially asked, Do you agree with the use of land acknowledgements? And 80% of people said yes. And 20% of people said no, which was interesting. So then the follow up question, I think, was, do you think they can become performative? And 91% of people said yes, and 9% of people said no. So 10 votes for yes, one for no. And then after that, we asked, like, an open-ended question and said, like, if you disagree with them, what is your proposed alternative? And we got um, a few responses, but one stood out to us, and it said... um, It depends on how they're done. Like people reading a script versus people using their own words and saying it in a way where it shows that they actually appreciate and respect like um, indigenous people and their right slash ownership of this land. And I mean that's kind of what we talked about in the last episode we did, which was just that like it can be performative. Yeah, exactly what they said. Like it can be performative if it's not genuine, if it's just like reciting something and not connecting to it. Mm -hmm. so yeah I thought that was pretty interesting anyone else have any thoughts
1: because people think it's performative even if you're not just doing it to to be performative if you're doing it because you actually care and you say it as if like it was similar to a script people are gonna say or people are gonna listen to it and think they're only doing it because they feel like they have to
0: I think depending on how it's like carried out you can sometimes decipher the difference i um but i I do agree with what you're saying to the extent of like even if it is performative people should still be doing it because like there are people that don't agree but they still should be respecting it and it's kind of good that it's in place that they still have to in a lot of places in a lot of environments because regardless of what you think that is that you know it is their land it does deserve acknowledgement every time we are you know gathered on their land we're using it we're making you know we're making use of it we're raising our families here it definitely needs to be acknowledged
1: and And you're not
3: giving it back so yeah 100 percent.
1: here in canada we hear it a lot a lot of speeches start off with land acknowledgement but in other places in the world they don't hear it as much so like if this does travel around to different places in europe they could hear this and be like oh what is that and then do more research into it. So, like, even yeah. if it is performative, it still gets it out there so people can figure out for themselves what's going on.
0: I think, like, yeah, it's an interesting one because land acknowledgments by nature are kind of performative because of what Sydney said. It's like they're not giving it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're just saying, like, hey, you know, it's yours. But I'm saying, like, that is... It's the bare minimum. Like, if you're not gonna, then if you're not going to give it back, then you m- at least can acknowledge, you know, this wasn't ours. This was never ours.
3: Even if mm-hmm. we don't this. personalize it, I feel like we should at least spend like five minutes or something at least talking about the land acknowledgement and like what it is like the uh-huh. history of it and like what each word means so people can fully understand because not everybody who comes into a room is going to know if someone says it so yeah. that could be another way of personalizing yep it yeah
1: like by giving the land admo- acknowledgement and then explaining yeah what it means mm-hmm. i like that yeah mm.
0: yeah i think yeah that's yeah and why it's important putting it into context yeah it's not like making yeah personalizing not like putting it to yourself more just like actually showing an understanding or Mm -hmm. educating on it further yeah
3: Yeah. because to some people who just aren't from here probably just think oh it's just words Mm -hmm. but like if you talk about the history and it's importance I feel like oh this makes more sense why we're saying it
1: Totally. well said thank you
0: yeah. Okay, so now that we've talked about that a little bit, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: Okay. Reintroduce
0: uh, yourself because you have before, but yeah. there are people listening to this one that haven't listened to your other one.
3: Yeah, no worries. I am Sydney Bear and I'm Korean Soto from Treaty One, which is Peguis First Nation yep and i'm in my last year of university and i'm really excited to be here on the podcast yeah we're excited to have you yep so today essentially like when
0: sydney and i first talked about her coming on the podcast we knew we wanted to discuss like identity and belonging like in canada or you know for me i guess it's more just No, I guess, yeah, it's in Canada for both of us. But, like, it's a different experience for Sydney and I because Sydney's Indigenous and I'm Indian. But just, like, feeling, you know, not Indian or Indigenous enough to exist in some spaces and then feeling too Indian or Indigenous to be seen as, you know, I guess that's, yeah, it's different for both of us. But I definitely wanted to talk about that a little bit more. So, like, if you want to get into a little bit about, like, how that, like, your personal experience with that, like feeling indigenous enough and like how that affects you being in certain spaces how you feel and yeah
3: so I don't feel indigenous enough to talk about indigenous issues because of the color of my skin and I have limited involvement with my culture not that I am not involved in it at all I am but I'm just not surrounded by it as much
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and I guess since i grow I've grown up apart from my community, which is in Manitoba, I don't have that close connection to that type of heritage or that part, yeah, so it kind of has it kind of gives me a little disconnection between it because um I'm Swampy Cree and I'm on. Co Salish land which is completely different different dialects different language different culture different like beliefs and so being around like this culture obviously it, like it fills my heart because it's still indigenous culture but it's still not my my own and where I come from so I kind of mm-hmm. have that disconnection from yeah. like a, a feeling of belonging I guess because I'm not part of it. So, I guess I feel almost, like, separated from the people here, the indigenous peoples here. Yeah. Like, what we were talking about, about feeling, about, like, belonging. Yeah. So, I don't know.
0: No, I get what you're saying. I mean, Mm -hmm. for me, like, it's, like, different that... I mean, your your separation is within Canada. My separation is, like, I've never been around my community. Like, I've never mm-hmm. been to India. I've never connected with it. I don't know what it would feel like to be in a land that's my own. But, like, I definitely feel what you're saying about when you're not in that exact space. It, you do feel like a disconnect. You're like, we are, like, I am Indigenous, and this group is Indigenous as well. But, like, this is not my direct heritage. And that is something that does create a little bit of a disconnect. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand that as well as, like, yeah, like, skin tone because colorism is like an issue within like every group of people of color you know what i mean every every
2: social society they have that implemented into them i think
0: yeah like within them like um within asians like asians will want to be lighter and they'll definitely like favor the light-skinned people put them more on tv describe them as more beautiful and that's like but you know black people it's the same thing like light-skinned people will get a different um privilege in society than dark-skinned people and so that causes within the communities dark-skinned people to resent the light-skinned people within their own and not see them as you know and so like yeah that's definitely tough to go through because with with you it's not with a lot of the people i know that do go through that it's because they are part white like they're part Mm -hmm. caucasian of some background and for you being a hundred percent basically indigenous that's tough and like i wonder how first of all does it come up with indigenous people like in conversation
3: and how do you navigate that like what do you say
0: what happens in those conversations
3: i feel that most of my insecurities are just more internal and just nervousness because the indigenous people that i'm surrounded by are just they sound so knowledgeable and they just know a lot of things, but it doesn't mean I don't know a lot of things either. I guess it's just my own insecurities because when I'm in groups like with indigenous peoples and in those types of um, environments, mm-hmm. I feel very welcomed and I feel very safe. So I think it's just me being a little nervous yeah, because yeah. I Even if the people around me are more light-skinned than I am, I still feel a little bit... I still feel like an outsider. But honestly, they probably also feel the same way. But I'm not speaking for them. But... How do I navigate it? I don't know. I kind of just try to make connections with the people that I meet at these events and just these surroundings. Yeah. Because I find that it's important to surround yourself around like your like Mm -hmm. people who are like you i guess
2: yeah you're like your heritage community you know like your blood comes from
3: yeah even though i'm not like even though i'm not from here or like the indigenous peoples that i've meet but that i've met in ubc they're not all from bc they're from like all over the place but it's really nice because to be friends with them because it's kind of like your own community within a big university and a Mm -hmm. big place where it is mainly um uh what is it like white people or just people from other countries coming and Mm -hmm. not a lot of indigenous people are actually in university so it's nice to have to yeah
0: that community community yeah be together and meet and to
3: support people
0: Mm yeah 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 well i mean
1: do you think that the reason that you don't feel indigenous enough is like fully internal or do you think it's from like people when you're growing up saying like hey you don't look indigenous or like i don't know if that ever happened to you but
3: i don't know i honestly think it's just i mentioned this last week but um i think it's a bit of internalized colonialism because of the specific indigenous representation that is in the media Mm. and growing up surrounded by that and that this is what an indigenous person is supposed to look like. This is what they're supposed to be doing. Even though I was surrounded by like other indigenous people in my life, but growing up with that influence, that outside Mm -hmm. media influence, it's kind of made me like even though i don't want to think like that and i don't it is yeah i guess internalized and i've kind of i don't know i guess it's like breaking these like
1: yeah
3: unconscious views like i know what an indigenous person like is like they look we all look different yeah but i think it's just the way indigenous people are portrayed in the media that kind of yeah puts me out of
1: that yeah like in movies they'll like really stereotype a lot i don't know if that's a word make it
0: very yeah like they'll
1: i get what you're saying put Mm -hmm. them they'll portray them very stereotypically yeah
2: yeah. like a very classical Mm -hmm. a very
1: classical looking. like as we talked about last time like feathers
0: and yeah yeah and then
1: i'm sure you'd watch a movie like that and be like, that's not me yeah so so i feel like there's just not a
3: there's not a good enough representation of indigenous peoples in the media so i that is also why that i don't really see myself in a lot of these films so or um pieces of literature arts and plays or whatever so i guess that is part of it i also
0: think like being friends with sydney and like because like we're both people of color but we look really different being friends with you, I've definitely heard or seen microaggressions over the years along the lines of like, yeah, she's white. So, Mm. and I don't think, one, it's not up to someone else to define, but two, it's like it's always people that are not in the community or like not even people of color most of the time. And it's like, as you said, the media has depicted to them what that is. And so they're looking at you and judging you on that. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Like, even with me, I mean, mine's a little different because my community has a very, like, I think that I don't fall within that either. Like, what my community really is generally, like, what a Sikh girl looks like generally with the long hair and, like, all these things. I don't really look like that. And I get treated differently within my community. But mine's different because I think mine is my own. Whereas yours, I feel like it's definitely, and I think that is, it's definitely, like, it goes beyond your community. I think it's less. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to that. But seeing people outside of the indigenous community define what you are, that's what I can, like, say I've seen. And, like, Mm. it's definitely upsetting because it definitely does just come from the media defining to them what that is or the government or whatever it is.
3: You know, I guess I never really thought about how all these little side comments have, like, added to, like, my... Like thoughts and feelings. Because, mm-hmm. like, I have been called white so many times, like a white bitch, and just so many other things. Like, no one can get, no one can. Yeah. Like, whenever. How do I say this? No one ever thinks that I'm indigenous. And I guess everything else that they've mentioned is more like white passing oh like you're british you're scottish or whatever so many of these other things except for what i actually am so i guess that maybe adds to it i don't i haven't really thought deeply about that but i guess it does yeah
2: yeah just over time i guess like subconsciously all those little comments they they tend to add up within people like it's like the same you know it's like uh like with, with with some black people and everything i've heard some black people say to other like you know like the whole light skin dark dark skin topic and everything mm-hmm. that dark skin people will look at other black people that are light skin and they'll say oh you're not black mm-hmm. it's like they still are their skin tone is just different and yes they might have grown up in a slightly different cultural environment that wasn't fully african like traditionally doesn't make them any less of a black person. exactly because mm-hmm. you're because at the end of the day sydney you're still native by blood yeah. so anytime anyone ever tells you oh you're not native just because you're white passing doesn't make you any less native yeah than how the but it's hard are. not to
0: internalize that that's like how i feel yep. too like i'm indian but i grew up in north america instead of india and like there are indian people and not indian people that look at me as less and have literally yeah used the words like the only thing brown about you is your skin mm-hmm. and it's like there's i don't know i i always when I get into this and talk about it with other people, I always say, like, there's nothing I can do to not be Indian. So, -hmm. like, people invalidating that to me, it doesn't do anything, even within my own community. I'm like, it hurts because now I feel, like, more alone in how I'm feeling, but I can't shake it. Like, I I, I can't decide, you know what? You guys think I'm acting white? I'm white now. That's not how my life will ever work. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, really disheartening within your community to be treated that way. And, like, mine is less, like... I think you can either be treated like that for skin color or for your community judging your connection or how, like, committed you look, seem, whatever. But it's normally as a result of immigration. Like, you know, people leaving your home country to pursue a better life in a Western country. And, like, as you said, that should not be wrong. Like, it's it's just what it yeah. had to be, unfortunately. Like, I'm a woman and I wanted to... Have certain freedoms that I wouldn't have in India at this point. So, my parents chose this life for me, and I don't see how that makes me less Indian. Yeah, I, I just don't get it.
2: Yeah. No, it is the way it is the way it is. But yeah, I think uh, don't don't ever let any, anyone talk anyone talk down to you like that and say you're you're less native or you're less Indian or anything. Because at the end of the day, you still are. You just have a different lifestyle or like or or, or slightly different background. Yeah, and doesn't you don't have you any, to check certain less.
0: boxes to be indigenous, to be Indian, yeah. to be. Black, whatever, to be like anything, like you don't have to, you know, fill these stereotypical requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it is. Like, it's not up to them to define what a skin color has to be within an area. I mean, that's its own conversation. Yeah. You know, that's,
2: that's a different, that's a different part of it.
0: But I mean, another thing that, is interesting like on the topic of like defining yourself as an indigenous person this is something we talked about that i want to get into is like the government determining status and like how that how they go about that because i think that is a big part too of like how colonialism has affected indigenous identity because the government is literally defining you are indigenous to us you are not you gain status you don't so i wanted to get into that further as well and like hear what you wanted to say about that
3: Yeah, so I guess what I could do is just kind of explain the whole, like, what status is. Yeah. So in Canada, there are three recognized indigenous groups. So there's First Nations, Mm -hmm. Inuit, or Inuit, and Métis. Yeah. And in the Indian Act, those... The only people who can get status are First Nations. Mm -hmm. And so the term status or Indian status is essentially a way for the government to keep track of indigenous peoples, of First Nations. Mm -hmm. And those who have status are entitled to the benefits of the Indian Act. And I say this in quotations because they're not exactly benefits. Yeah. yeah so the Indian Act of 1876 has gone through many amendments in the past. And so the most recent Indian Act essentially states that there are two types of, or two levels of Indian status, which is 6 1 and 6 2. So. It gets really confusing when you get deeper into it, but essentially, I'll explain it in terms of for me. So, both my parents are 6 1 Indian status, so that means I am 6 1 Indian status. If I don't marry a person who is indigenous and doesn't have status, then our child is 6 2 status. And so, if my child marries someone who's not indigenous or has no status, their children will have no status at all. So the these levels six one and six two essentially s- talk about how far you can transfer that Indian status down your li- like lineage, yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. So it's like a method of modern
0: day like erasure of this community over yeah. and over over yeah. time. Gradually, they're like. So we're going to stay. All of our people are going to stay in your country. And if you choose to coexist peacefully with them and actually love some of them. Yeah. There goes your stat. Like what?
2: I don't get mm-hmm. how that, how that, how how in our government nowadays that's still something that's going on.
0: And like it wasn't up to them. That, to that, doesn't, that doesn't
2: make any sense and everything. Because you know like, the government like, they like to go on the news and talk about I guess not trying to rule over other minorities lives and everything. And like trying to accept people for, for who they are. But then they're going off trying to tell indigenous people who they are. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
0: and what and what the requirements are to remain indigenous? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, they just, sh- like you could just like you could just shed that skin. Like I don't even yeah. understand
2: because like they're still indigenous by blood. Hundred because they, mar- they marry someone without status and have kids doesn't mean that the kid isn't could still on. be
0: like mm-hmm. indigenous like a good percent because the person doesn't have status. The other person yeah. they're having a kid with it's just yeah. And I've had friends as well that were status and like probably six two or even lower, and yeah, they've had to like. Go through all these motions to be
3: seen by the government as indigenous, and it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. The worst part about it is that um, these cards do expire. So, <laughs>
0: mine. T- it's
1: like a passport.
3: I don't get this either because it's like, how does that change?
0: I guess. Yeah. Wait,
2: so, it, it could be one day you're you're native. Yeah. And the next say day you got to prove it. Yeah. That but, doesn't make any fucking but guess sense. Guess
3: what? happy birthday you're not indigenous anymore exactly so it stupid. expires on your birthday that's so that sense. yeah so i think mine expires in like 2030 or something so i have like a while but i remember getting it done a few years back i had to go get my picture taken i had to go sign a bunch of forms wait in a buildings like in an office building Mm -hmm. um yeah the forms i had to sign were pretty lengthy but um i was able to get it done it wasn't i don't want to say it was too difficult it wasn't that difficult of a process but it was so irritating that i have to do it at all there's been a lot of documents in the past that were created to control indigenous peoples so one of their first ones was the doctrine of discovery Mm -hmm. and this was created to allow the settlers to take the lands of indigenous peoples and pretty much displace them wherever they wanted. So after the doctrine of discovery, um, much later on, the gradual enfranchisement act was made and that essentially told indigenous peoples that you were not allowed to do certain things or you would lose your status. And so this included stuff like um, if you went to the military, you would lose your status. If you got an education or like a university degree, you would lose your status. Um,
2: That's wild. If you... (laughs) Jesus Christ. So basically, (laughs) try and better yourself if you're not a native anymore. Like they wanted
0: to, I'm putting air quotes, civilize them. They're like, let's like residential schools. They were like, you need to act more like us. You need to... So then if they like that's not even acting more like us but if they enroll in university if they do these things if they, why is that not okay i don't even understand if you want to live your life one way this way that way i don't understand like i feel like yeah i don't even what i'm trying to get at right now is like there is no right way to live as an indigenous person in canada that the government will be happy with yeah i
3: believe like. what they wanted to do was essentially eliminate indians altogether and so indian status was a way of just keeping track of them and so because of residential schools and all these other things that the government implemented to assimilate them into european culture this was another way of assimilating them or performing cultural genocide essentially just taking their identity away from them and making them part of the canadian society in as an equal i say in quotations like Mm. taking away that status and then putting this colonizer frame on them this image but that the price to pay was your indian status
2: yeah Yeah. I, i feel like the underlying message of the whole of that whole process is basically saying that uh if you're native then you can't do better in life and everything, which is why if you would go off, like you said, if you go off to the military, if you go off and get a higher education, yeah. you lose your status as native because they're trying to portray that that's not something that natives can actually do. You're which Canadian Which is better, now. better than yeah, themselves. You're like, that's exactly. Canadian yeah. now. Yeah. To be better that's is to kind be of like Canadian the, or American. That's kind of like the
0: summary of all of it, even with the whole, like, if you marry, you lose status. Like, if, yeah. like it's just like, okay, you're Canadian now. But it's... <sighs> like the fact that one you come on the land and then you want to take it and you want to then they don't start war with you and they decide okay we're gonna we're gonna take what we can get and basically work for this gradually and peacefully the government's like hey you existed with us a little too much now we're gonna punish you for that (laughs) like how does that's what it keeps like how do you win there's no there's no like good standing you like it's just ridiculous yeah that is ridiculous
3: so disappointing. Mm-hmm. And like- so... Part of... Okay. So, after the Gradual Enfranchisement Act, the Indian Act was created in 1876, or was released in 1876, and this essentially had... Or... The Indian Act reframed what an Indian is, and mm-hmm. so it gave more... It gave in the outline of, like, what... Or... Indian. It developed new criteria for what... an in, For Indian status. And so... With this, the old Indian Act, so the one in 1876, this one stated in section 12, 1B, that a woman who married a person who is not an Indian is not entitled to be registered. So, if a woman marries a non-indigenous person who is not registered they lose their status entirely
2: mm-hmm.
3: whereas if an indigenous man who has status marries someone who doesn't have status or is not indigenous um that woman that they married would gain status so it's just sexism as well
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't know just also continuing to refer to it as the indian act you know just standing on columbus's totally incorrect theory of this being india even in the like i don't know it upsets me because i'm indian because even in the modern day world where there is an india it exists it's well it's alive it has billion if not billions of people
2: yeah why
0: are they called indians like stop it's essentially to make them still sound foreign to this to this land it makes them sound like this is not you know there's something else but yeah like what yeah. indigenous act
2: even even switching first nations the act, act, act like, even, like switch, even switching it to like the native or like the indigenous act that would make a lot more sense because like they're not that they're yet? not indian
0: um like is it still well, called that to this
3: day the indian act yeah yeah it's still the indian act but also i think the reason why they don't change it well indian is a is a governmental is a government term now um indigenous people we don't say we don't say native because it's not right they why is it down, not right well because it's not it's not right in canada well it's i mean right in the states
2: but you're obviously but
3: native wait American. can you explain well,
0: i actually yeah don't know why. i
2: want to know because like
3: so it's kind of just like saying aboriginal it's just not like it's not correct yeah aboriginal days. i get but yeah but native is very much similar like indigenous peoples in canada i'm not speaking for everyone but I've heard from a lot of people that they don't like the word native because it doesn't accurately define them like yeah they are native to this land but it's not yeah. what they want to be called Yeah. just like some people don't like some a lot of indigenous peoples that i've met don't like the word indian and i am comfortable using that because i'm comfortable using that term and calling myself that but other people don't so it's it's more about preference where does that stand like I've never asked you where what does
0: that comfort come from because like I don't as as I said as someone who's Indian we've had this conversation before I don't understand because I feel like it's a colonizer term so I don't Indian Indian, because like you're just not Indian like in my in my view and I'm not trying to be Mm -hmm. like disrespectful I'm just saying it as an Indian person I've always felt this and I've always thought this and I've wanted to have you're good I've wanted to have, like, discourse about that because I just don't get it. To me, it looks like a colonizer term.
3: It is. It's essentially just, like, you've gotten so used to saying it over the years and just hearing it. It's just kind of another thing that you call yourself that. It is a colonizer term, Mm -hmm. and a lot of um, indigenous peoples have pushed that away and stopped using it, but there are still some that use it. But it's more... I wonder if it's more of, like, reclaiming the word and like reframing it but i don't exactly know i haven't really had a conversation with anyone about it i've never seen like an indian person an indigenous person discuss that too because
0: i feel like that's a more complex issue yeah or like discussion because like that's a tough one you know that's a tough one because reclaiming a colonizer term is one thing Mm
3: -hmm. but then as
0: i said like yeah there is a country alive and well there are people that are indian and to me, that sounds like just misrepresentation by choice because, you know, you're not... And that's not a bad thing. If mm. you were Indian, you're Indian. It's just, you know, I'm happy to be Indian and, I'm you know, I'm sure you're happy to be indigenous. It's just like, I, I don't know. I just don't... It's a, it's such a weird conversation and, like, really it is all mm. the colonizer's fault that we have to sit here and, you know, yeah. determine what this means to us.
3: Like, I had a friend... Thanks, Columbus. Sorry. <laughs> I had a friend who actually hated that word. And when I used it around her, she was like very offended and I felt really bad was because she I she was First Nation. Okay, okay. So I felt like I've never had that encounter I've never encountered someone being offended by that word before and so it kind of made me rethink. I'm like, "Oh, this is not a great word to use in every situation." But also technically I am Indian i have indian status so i'm government telling the, the government You're canada's is definition of indian. indian yeah so that
1: <coughs> i have a question mm-hmm. what is what is the correct term to call first nations or indigenous what is like
3: i feel like the best word to use is indigenous okay. yeah yeah but if someone's like oh you can call me metis you can call me inuit or you can call me first nation then
1: obviously use that
3: yeah you can use that but if you want to like use like a blanket term can you hear me
0: in
1: the yeah.
3: yeah okay if you want to use a blanket term then indigenous yeah is okay. the best that's good yeah. to know. But obviously in the states they're native american
1: yeah okay. but
3: i don't know what they want themselves to be called down there because i actually haven't talked to a native american person before so
0: yeah yeah it's probably different to each group even teach each individual sometimes because we talked about but um, I mean obviously the experience for every single person in this room is a little different but I think for me knowing like Canada like I don't know knowing we're a colonized country so many things have happened to erase indigenous people Asian people like it's there's a lot of discrimination that's happened in this country and a lot of like erasure and Um, European norms being pushed, I think for me, it makes me like not feel associated with the country as much. It makes me feel like I'd rather be somewhere else. I kind of like pull myself out of it a little bit more. I'm like, I'm not, I don't have to be Canadian. I don't align with it. I don't, um, like I can stray away from it. But with you, like this is something that I obviously imagine is different because There's, you know, there's colonizer Canada, but this is your country and your land. So this is something that like, yeah, I don't know. My version of grappling with that is kind of just like dismissing it and wanting to get away from it. But obviously for you where this is your land, this is different. So I wonder like how you grapple with your like Canadian identity and like existence within the country.
3: So for me, Canadian is just a word that is written on my passport yeah i don't really identify with being canadian maybe in the past i did before i knew a lot of things and before the times changed more people were understanding things like Mm. but in the past almost almost a decade i haven't really i haven't identified with being Canadian, because I haven't really celebrated—I haven't celebrated Canada Day. Yeah. I recently, well, ever since I went to started university, I haven't sung the national anthem mm-hmm. often or at all. But I recently went to a graduation, and we were asked to st- we were asked to stand for yeah the for O Canada and I didn't stand nor did I sing did I because I don't really feel I don't feel connected to it and I don't really want to sing about a country that has done so many atrocious things to my peoples those
0: words were not written by the right people yeah
3: yeah and so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm Canadian I would say I'm indigenous like I am Canadian on my passport I'm Canadian on my birth certificate or whatever Mm -hmm. but I don't really identify with that label. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess, like, for you, it kind of is more, like, yeah, rejecting, like, colonizer terms and colonizer, like, definitions of Canada, of this land, and, you know, not redefining it, but looking at the actual, like, true and long-existing definition of what this land is and, Mm -hmm. you know, what it means. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And, like... For yeah, again, like for me, it's a little bit more difficult because I don't have that like deep-seated connection to this land, and like I don't live with my yeah. But I I don't know. It's that's a really good way of going about it. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I come from more of a place of anger sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's more of a mature way to
3: go about it. <laughs> um,
0: it's the, it's,
2: it's the uh, understandable and reasonable approach to it.
3: Yeah. yeah I wouldn't say that I don't have anger at all and I don't have frustrations and I don't carry all these negative emotions with me towards these issues, of course, I do. I just would prefer to not stay angry.
1: that makes sense. It's okay. not worth the strain on your mental health, and yeah yeah well that's that. the
3: thing too.
0: Sorry, were you gonna yeah, I was gonna say like I have the privilege to remove myself and not feel like I'm giving something up, mm-hmm. and like this is your land so you have to come to a different kind of like understanding or peace with it than I do and i think that like i deeply understand that mm-hmm. so yeah it's a different it's really different for us but yeah so a little bit on sorry yeah go ahead go ahead
3: what about them no no go ahead let's stay
1: yeah, on this I mean, for a bit my passport says canadian but i mean i was born here mm-hmm. both my parents were born in england so i also have a british passport um Growing up here and living here my whole life, I do feel a certain sense of being Canadian, but I am definitely more connected to my British side, because that's where I feel my family is from, where they grew up, Um, and I go there all the time, and I just feel like this is my home, this is where I'm comfortable, like, it's not that I don't feel like I have a home in Canada, but i just align more with being in england being there yeah
0: i think that's interesting <laughs> that like you align more with your homeland yet that's not like where you've lived ever
1: mm-hmm.
0: obviously i mean cuz from my perspective i don't know if i do because i've never been there and it's a little bit more complicated because i think you live yeah your like homeland is a safer place than mine but mm-hmm. I wonder, like I always wonder, if that's the experience I'll have as well when I go there, like a connection. But as I talked about in the episode today, like I think my community puts a big separation on like classes of Indian enough, or you you know, yeah, whitewash whatever. So I, I'm, mean, I'm curious to see how that all plays out being in India, actually.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. No. For me, I'd say I definitely do identify with being canadian i've lived in canada my entire life i've been in bc and alberta alberta was where i was born i always love every i always love it every time i go i go out there it's like the, the mountains the big openness the ranches like the farms that kind of stuff that's what i really like yeah. my whole life i've always indulged in like canadian food uh canadian like traditional like customs that kind of stuff hell people like people see me like you guys see how i have my hair and everything like just how i look everyone's like yeah this is a real canadian kid so what that's how. That's how what, what does that, that mean? Hmm? What's a Canadian hair? haircut. You kind of well, look you know, like a hockey like, boy. You know, like the hockey boys, I think. Like what is seen as like stereotypical, like Canadian. Little it's all also, also like the same, the like, same, the, yeah, same, way, the same way I dress, the fl- the flannels, yeah. the work year, my job, everything I do, even the way you guys hear me talk sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah I feel like Canadian mm-hmm. too, and like my customs because we've all grown up. Yeah. in the same mm-hmm. area, we're gonna have like things about us things like the way we speak even like when i'll be around my american friends or like on a cruise meeting people from different countries they always will like comment on that and be like oh yeah that's so canadian of you the fact that you say i don't even know like simple mm-hmm. things is like oh you say washroom instead about like things like that <laughs> where it's just like canadian things that i don't know like yeah. it's I don't know. I feel like none of us can really shake that. And I don't mind mm-hmm. that side of being Canadian it's, at all. It's, like, just it's like, you know,
2: like, even though, like, yeah, like I've told you, guys, like the other the other half of my family, they're all, uh, they're all Latin American. They're from Mexico. They're from Spain, Colombia, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah I do have a connection to those, to that side of my blood and everything, you know, whether it be like food, music and culture, you know, I don't, I don't speak, I don't speak Spanish and everything. So I mostly do feel rooted in being Canadian.
1: Yeah, that makes sense mm-hmm.
2: for me. It's like, they speak english in
1: england so it's really like i don't feel yeah. that same separation
2: you just have like there's like just slightly different accents or slang or like yeah. certain social yeah. terms that kind of stuff over there
3: yeah obviously when i say i i don't feel like a, i don't feel canadian i don't identify with that label doesn't mean i'm disregarding like other people's feelings towards being canadian like i know for a fact that canada didn't, did a lot of good things for a lot of people gave them new opportunities new homes Mm -hmm. and that is very important and i'm not i'm not
1: but you can only speak through your own experience right? yeah yeah i want to kind of get back into we were talking about like the progression of the indian act so Mm -hmm. in the the last one that you kind of said people were losing their status by like if you're a woman and you marry outside of someone that isn't status you'd lose your status Mm -hmm. um i remember you saying that there was another update to that where they kind of canceled that out and people could regain status
3: Yeah, yeah so we did skip over that so bill c31 was released in 1985 which addressed the gender discrimination of the Indian Act. Mm-hmm. And this included restoring status for those who lost it during enfranchisement and through marriage of mm-hmm. the previous Indian Act. And like we talked about before, enfranchisement is the Gradual Enfranchisement Act. Yeah. So, uh, approximately 127,000 individuals regained status. Through wow. this process However well, 106,000 were denied reinstatement yeah. Of their Indian status And so this Kind of just shows how difficult of a process It was Yeah, And a lot of Bill C-31 Registrants experienced A lot of difficulties Reintegrating into their communities Or gaining acceptance again mm-hmm. And for a lot of them It was a very Or is still a very isolating experience. And one of these reasons for this acrimony is because of the influx of those 127,000 new registrants. Mm -hmm. They were not supported by an equal infusion of federal Mm. government funding to compensate for those increased numbers. So this resulted in communities having less funding for proper services like post-secondary funding and housing
1: so like more people less money
3: yeah does
0: that cause resentment within the community of people that had status before and the people that gained it
3: after or no i feel like it probably did like it definitely does yeah Yeah, it definitely does cause resentment
0: even though it shouldn't like it's not like these people's fault but like you know Mm -hmm. it's like intentional Yeah, they basically allowed people to regain status but didn't do anything to, like, compensate for those people who would obviously be Mm -hmm. requiring these resources as well. Interesting.
1: It kind of made it look like, hey, we're doing something, but in the end, it's not really...
0: It was actually just taking away from others and, you know...
1: And creating internal conflicts.
0: And as Sydney said, like, people coming in thinking they were going to get these resources or these benefits and then being told, well, you know, not enough. Yeah. Now we don't have enough money. There's more people. This is, you know, it's just yeah that's it's just a, I don't know what the word is but like it's just like performative it's like a blind act it's like let's look like we're doing something great by giving status exactly. but really we're not doing yeah
2: it. it's like what's the point if you're just gonna do it for some of them and when you should be doing it for all of them because they're, yeah. they're all they're all still indigenous at the end of the day yeah mm-hmm. and
0: honestly if you're yeah knowing the numbers you have to raise the funding that's just what it is mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. the tax dollars and put them to use where they actually need to be going yep. yeah yeah Um, something that I wanted to talk about that's like related to like identity and like the stereotypes that have been created by the media since we're in October and pretty close to Halloween I wanted to talk about like appropriation cultural appropriation and like costumes and like kind of just your feelings towards that what you've seen like I don't know just more about that because I don't know it just feels relevant to what's about to happen what's
3: Mm -hmm. been going on in the country for a long time yeah yeah. well over the years I've seen a lot of like Indian costumes or indigenous or yeah
0: native
3: Native, as they put it probably like I think they call it native outfits I think they would say
0: aboriginal as well which is cool but
3: but um over the years I've seen a lot of it a lot of like people dressed up like Pocahontas a lot of people dressed up in like not buckskin but like just fabric that is brown and wearing feathers and even people in like music videos have worn like a chief's headdress which is the really full feathered one with so much detail Mm -hmm. and in recent years I haven't seen too much of it But it's. I think that's just like where I surround myself with and the people I'm surrounded around.
1: Yeah, like it still happens. Like it does still happen like elsewhere,
3: but I haven't seen too much of it in the most recent years. But yeah. Do you? What about you? Like in. I feel like for my
0: community, it's like less. Like I can't really think of like costumes people would have, like for Halloween. But like, it's more of like a taking little pieces of it and, like, m- trying to make it their own. Like, for example, I seen this thing a couple years ago where Kim Kardashian and her kid, North, went to some fashion show and they decided to put these, like, fake nose rings in and with a chain that goes, like, to here, to the ear, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And they were, like, magazine after magazine was, like, they're fashion icons. Where did they think of this? Blah, blah, blah. They did not once give credit that that is f- fucking fully Indian. Like, I, I, look at any Indian wedding pictures. If they have a nose piercing, they have that, and they have like they don't wear it every day. But that's like, um, like a ceremonial kind of like a like an event piece, an Indian thing. It's a Another thing, thing yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing is like bindi, which is like the little like jewel that people will put between their eyebrows, but for like events not like the red dot but like they'll be like jewels of different colors
2: yeah you
0: see that like for example cardi b's recent video i think it's called bongos or something and it's like her and megan the stallion and they're all dancing they're wearing like indian outfits and like bindis which is like yeah the jewel i talked about it's just kind of like it's picking and choosing what you think is pretty and just taking it and like i guess it's It only upsets me that no credit is given, and I can't say for sure Cardi B didn't give credit because I don't know, but, like, just seeing little things like that get taken and those people be acclaimed of, like, oh, my God, they're fashion icons. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. Where do they think of this? Or, you know, and just not giving credit where credit's due. If you Mm want to wear it, like, I've had friends that came to weddings with me and wore, like, traditional outfits. You know, my mom put a bindi on them. Whatever. That's, like, respectful. I have no problem with that, but it's, like... You know giving credit where credit's due you know what i mean like it's about respecting where it comes from with certain things and like so it's Mm -hmm. a different conversation because like with indigenous people it's like cultural appropriation that's like harmful to a narrative whereas like i i can't really think of anything within i might there might be things but Mm -hmm. within my community that's like really harmful in terms of cultural appropriation it's just more like people getting credit that should be ours i feel yeah So, for my community, it's a little like it's very different than yours, especially knowing, like, you know, your people are indigenous to this land, and like, we're just Mm -hmm. another minority essentially. Not just what I
3: would bring one of the thoughts that come up when you mention cultural appropriation or just taking certain things from different cult from a certain culture and like using it for a different thing. Yeah. Um, would be sage. So, a lot of places sell sage bundles or dried sage bundles for burning and for i guess what you would call maybe a ceremony oh yeah but Mm -hmm. like saging your house or something yeah and i hate that sage is so widely sold especially because it is one of our sacred medicines and the way that they're selling it and doing it and using it is not proper to our culture and our beliefs mm-hmm. of that medicine. Indigenous people, like we, that is like one of our sacred medicines. So I think um, our sacred medicines are cedar, sage, tobacco, sweetgrass, mm-hmm. and there's another one, but it's not coming to mind. But because of that, our medicines are supposed to be harvested with the utmost respect. And through prayer and giving back to the land. So what you take, you must give an offering. You must give back. And so I doubt that this bulk box of yeah. dried sage was picked with good intentions or was blessed or anything before being picked. And for me, yeah. it's just kind of like when people are like, oh, sage your house, get rid of all the bad negative energy. Like It was like commercialized. Like, and yeah, it's, it's, it, it's being like you said commercialized it's being like mm-hmm. widely sewn sold for this specific issue like yes sage does do cleansing but it's a ceremony and it's not just like burning a dried plant in your house yep. for me it's quite disrespectful and it irks me but i don't want to be like oh you can't do this because i know a lot of different cultures have different uses for different mm-hmm. things but it's just like my yeah opinion on it being like widely sown sold no i go yeah
1: it's also not hard to like grow your own sage and
3: yeah i
0: think
1: that yeah and more i respect
0: the idea of yeah like that respect can be done if you know people wanted to if they like of taking sage from canada because the reality is or like you know harvesting it in canada mm-hmm. because the reality is like they're i don't know like i think about halal meat is coming to mind right now where it's like certain processes have to happen and then those people feel comfortable eating that or and they wouldn't eat it if it wouldn't happen that should be respected on this land if that's like a you know a medicine that's been i agree utilized on this land for you know centuries i, I think that that should be respected i totally agree i didn't actually know about that so that's mm-hmm. very interesting
3: yeah there is a lot of i wouldn't i wouldn't say rules but just like there's a lot of things you should consider before handling traditional medicines yeah. for one um you can't touch it if you are under the influence of any sort of drug so you can't if you're drunk or if you're high you shouldn't be handling that because you're not respecting the medicine this medicine is a strong um it is a strong it's a strong medicine and so it's you shouldn't be handling it when you're under the influence another thing is that women can't touch medicine when they're on their period And that's another thing that a lot of people don't know about. But from my teachings, women on their time or their moon time is the most... Mm -hmm. Like, they're the strongest that they will be. And so, them... Like, my understanding of it is that because you're so strong and you're in this, like, spiritual place, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: you shouldn't be touching medicine. So, that is another thing that people don't know and i've noticed going to a lot of indigenous like events like there's like traditional medicines on the table and i've had a lot of indigenous people come uh tell me it's like oh i can't touch it i'm not like Mm -hmm. yeah like for whatever reason and they know that but a lot of other people don't
1: it wasn't something that i was aware of yeah i didn't know that
0: it makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense to me like, allowing the medication to be used in its best effect is to use it and, you know.
3: Yeah. B- but it's almost like it's a disrespect to yeah. it because, like, like it's come from the earth and the earth gives us life and it gives us everything and we should respect it. Yeah. And it's, like, a disrespect to touch this sacred medicine when you are not in the right headspace. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I mean... Looking at you two, who have been, like, a little bit more quiet in this episode, understandably, do you two have any... Questions for Sydney. Comments about the whole thing.
2: So obviously we've seen promises they make, the promises they break very shortly after. Mainly with like dress with our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau telling like making promises to the saying hey we'll uh, we'll give you guys better infrastructure, better resources, uh, clean drinking water is the big one that they ha- still have not gotten. So you how what what would you what would you recommend or what would you, what would your approach be to actually giving Indigenous people help in their communities? Infrastructure, mental health, physical health-wise.
3: <sighs> That's a really big question. I'll try to answer it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank
2: you. I wanted to say I wanted to, said, I wanted to save a really good question for last and everything. Okay. Just just from your personal thoughts and experiences,
3: like what is important to focus on?
2: Well, yeah. What would you say is most important to focus on for those communities that can actually help them thrive?
3: Yeah. Well, I definitely I like my number. I think my top three is. Um, access to clean drinking water, um, proper healthcare services, and um, education. Because a lot of indigenous communities, rural indigenous communities, don't have access to clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. And for a healthcare service, like a clinic or a hospital, they have to drive like, out of their reserve 45 minutes to f- hours to get to the nearest healthcare site mm-hmm. and as for education like a lot of um, a lot of reserves a lot of communities don't have um, like access to proper education so like um, so for teachers f- um, good facilities so I think those are really important things that we would need to focus on and another really important thing that what i find is super is super important is that wab canoe he is um mm. i'm pretty sure he's um canada's first indigenous premier I think, yeah. and so he's manitoba's premier and he is his team is going their plan is to search the landfills for the missing and murdered indigenous women and children and i think that is a very important thing that also needs to be to be addressed as well alongside of that Mm -hmm. and sure justin trudeau has said he wants to do it or whatever i don't exactly know but how long has he been in power for yeah like there's really nothing that Mm -hmm. that, there's not a lot being done to dig into this issue
2: yep and so
0: it's been almost 10
2: years of of, a false hope given by him
3: this is why I want to go into public health and why I'm doing Indigenous studies and why I'm working at the First Nations Health Authority. Like, I want to make a difference for Indigenous peoples to get better health care. Yeah. And so that is something that I am working towards um, helping yeah. and supporting. So That's
0: awesome. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can, like, have a focus in that when you're pursuing public health. Mm-hmm. Are you going to like do a master's in public health, you think, hopefully?
3: Yeah, in the future, definitely. I think I'm going to take a year or two off yeah. school just to like work, kind of get out there in the field, mature a bit, mm-hmm. figure out who I am before yeah. I go into my master's, but that's, that's definitely the path I plan to take. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um,
0: yeah, does anyone else, do you get any more questions, comments for Sydney, Scott?
1: No, I think think i learned a lot i'm really happy to, that you came and shared your experiences and shared your truth and taught us um a little bit about indigenous history and mm-hmm. what's I like going on
3: i like what you said there you said your truths a lot of uh, in a lot of indigenous peoples use that yeah mm. so I like I like your word Pat choice.
2: On the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was really I was really I was really happy there's a lot of stuff that I did not know about you and your people so mm-hmm. I'm very I'm very happy you've come here to teach us today about that
0: thank you yeah yeah me as well I mean I I'm really excited that we're gonna get to share like on this platform about like indigenous identity and belonging within Canada talking about that talking mm-hmm. about like status and yeah everything that people don't know because honestly i could say us three really didn't before this to the extent that we do now so yeah again thank you so much for coming on here and like sharing with us like yeah your truth the truth of your people like how you feel towards canada how you feel about yourself as an indigenous person it's like very vulnerable to share that so we are really thankful that you have thank you well i think that concludes this episode of after the smoke clears uh reminder follow us on instagram and tiktok um so you can interact with our content send us dms let us know what you're thinking about the episodes what we've shared yep um
1: give us a rating on spotify yeah rate
0: us (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right and also uh, educate yourself further on topics like this if you've listened to this and you've learned something too, definitely take that and do something with it educate yourself further educate other people on what you've learned share this as well because I think this is so important for more Canadians to know things like this to know like the treatment of indigenous people in Canada and their reality from them directly so I think yeah yeah it's very valuable to do that research whether that's yeah listening to this educating others on this going further than that
2: yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah everyone should know the history of their land they're on yeah yes. that's right
0: anyway like share and subscribe that's right yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's go All right. thank you so much for listening mm-hmm. and we will see you in the next one see you guys mm-hmm.
1: next time